Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. As you guys can see from the title of today's episode, it is called Body Image Struggles to Recovery, and this is the topic that my guest and I are going to be getting into today, and I will tell you guys a little bit more about her in a moment, and she will be here to have this conversation about me with me about the topic of this title that we chose, Body Image body image. We're talking about body image, eating disorders, and she is going to be sharing her story and her experiences related to this. But I wanted to get into the reason behind why I decided to do an episode on this topic. And the reason is I have not done an episode or covered this topic at all yet on my podcast, which is relating to body image and the way that we view ourselves. We view the way we we look physically, our confidence of our own our own self internally related to that along with eating disorders. So that's something I haven't gotten into and I really want to talk about because for me personally, I've been affected by this. I know that for myself, you know, I used to struggle a lot years ago with the way that I looked. I was never happy, never liked, never felt good in my skin. And I was always very, very, very hard on myself. And I feel like when you are that way, it's easy to kind of play along with that narrative and do things that contribute with that. And basically what I mean by that is like telling ourselves, you know, reinforcing the way that we feel at the time and having a negative experience in like in that moment. And me actually, you know, not liking the way that I looked, always feeling like, you know, I was too small or too skinny and kind of, you know, being in that place and really wanting to look a different way, wanting to have a different kind of appearance. And I wasn't really I was never really happy and that kind of led to a lot of different other other different issues that I've gotten into um, in different episodes related to more of my story. But I am really happy to have my guest here today. She's amazing and I am excited to have her get into her experiences and her story related to this topic. But I thought this was an awesome topic to talk about because I know from a fact, just from different conversations I've had with people that a lot of people have had issues with this, with body image, with the way that they look, and also kind of different conversations I've had with other people who have had an eating disorder, who are struggling with an eating disorder. So I kind of wanted to bring this topic to light and actually have somebody 
come on who has experienced this and hear her experiences and hear a little bit about her story and the things that she went through and what she really did to come out into the place that she is now. So, so yeah, just wanted to give you guys a little background on this episode and I hope that you enjoy this one. So yeah. All right. Bye. Hello guys. And welcome back to a brand new episode of crooked illness. Today will be an important conversation covering the topics of body image and eating disorders with my guest, Allison Haas. Allison is an author, blogger, athlete, and an eating disorder survivor. Allison wrote The Addict in Aisle 7, where she gets into the drug addiction she experienced along with alcoholism as a teen, her journey to sobriety, and the one thing most stigmatized of all, eating disorders. She also runs her blog, iseektruths.com, where she shares her story, experiences, and daily thoughts with others. So without further ado, welcome Allison to the podcast. Hello, Paris. Thank you. Hello. Yes. Thank you for being here today. Excited to get into this one. Me too. All right. So let's, let's just jump right into it. So tell me what your experience has been like and is like now related to body image. That's a, um, heavy question, right? And the reason it's heavy is because it's, I find there's a different answer every day because it directly relates to where I'm at emotionally, spiritually, physically, because body image is personal. Mm -hmm. um, And it is something that evolves over time. We have perceptions of ourselves and others and what we're supposed to think we look like. And, you know, it changes with time. Again, hindsight's 2020. I I remember photos were taken. I can tell you exactly how I felt in the moment the photo was taken. And then I look back on that and I think, holy shit, I don't look anything the way that my brain told me I looked like on that day. Right. And nor did I care about the experience we were having that the photo captures. You know, I only cared about what I thought I saw. And so, you know, body image today is something that I have to be really dutiful about taking care of myself physically so that it doesn't suffocate me, choke me and paralyze me from living my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a physical washing of my brain and changing of behavior so that I don't go back to the default, which is I can't leave my house. If I don't look a certain way, I'm not worthy of leaving the house. If I don't look a certain way, I can't go somewhere because I'm not ready I can't go on vacation, wear a bathing suit because I haven't lost X, Y, or Z in preparation. I can't celebrate family, whatever, right? Like that's the old default thinking, which is I'm not good enough if I don't look a certain way. And that's what body image is to me. And so today it's a matter of I can go because I was invited. And what can I bring that is in addition to my physical presence, right? What kind of energy can I bring? What kind of emotional uplift can I support whomever I'm doing, right? This is their birthday, not mine. It's about (laughs) them, right? What can I bring that's not about food or body? So, um, Yeah, I love Obviously, how you, we could go in a lot of directions there. Yeah, I love how you related that from the way that you used to look at it to kind of associating it more in today's terms with with uh, with what else can you bring to the table besides the body image part? Like you mentioned the energy, the presence, what's going on in that moment and focusing more on that. 
And I would love to hear about that transition, that transition of how you were, how you used to view body image before when you were really struggling in that moment. And how, how did you, what kinds of things did you do? How did you go from that place to how, how you are now? Great question. And my, my initial answer is it's, it's still happening, right? I'm still evolving. I'm still working through because, you know, the things that are non-negotiable in life are having a body and eating food, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a, you know, disordered, if you will, relationship with either tough shit, right? Like we've got to figure out how to live anyway and thrive anyway. And Mm -hmm. it's totally possible. And I'm not saying you know, I, I hate the idea that I once was and now I am. Like, I think it's a continuous journey, especially with body and food. And, um, you know, I've, I've had to seek a lot of outside help. I've, I've had to go to 12-step recovery where I still go. I have to have a nutritionist. I have to have a personal trainer as accountability partners and people that support me. Um, I have to have friends in my life that communicate in the same way that I do so that, you know, because I'm plagued by shame. I'm plagued by this isolation that I'm the only one. I can't talk about it. I can't shed light on it. If I do, no one's going to get it. I'm going to be all alone. So I have to have people in my life that help me smash that idea mm-hmm. and and help me keep trudging because some days I don't have it, right? I don't have my own light to share for myself. And so I need to borrow someone else's. And Um, Just the other day, I remember somebody took a a beautiful photo of themselves, rightfully so. They're freaking ripped. Mm -hmm. And in the past, I would have just shit on myself because if she's ripped, that means I can't be. Mm. Instead of like, she looks awesome and maybe I do too. And we look different, right? Mm -hmm. And so the other day, I see this woman and immediately I'm just like, I don't, I'm not attracted to women in that way, but if I were like, Hey, right. Like beautiful traps. I'm personally attracted to muscles. She just looked amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I did notice I didn't feel as good in the gym mirror as I did the day before. And today I can recognize that as maybe not a truth, not something to attach to, not something to change my behavior around. Right. I don't have to change my food or my, my training and start doing something I don't enjoy. Um, and just kind of be with that feeling, right? I also presented a huge podcast, Cigna, nationwide. So like mm-hmm. I was vulnerable and had emotional leftover feelings from that. And today I can recognize that because for me, when I'm vulnerable, that transfers to fat in the mirror. Mm. I don't know why, but it does. So if I'm getting ready for a date, if I'm getting ready for a big work proposal, if I'm nervous, it shows up in the mirror and it's not as sexy right? Mm. But if I'm like elated and excited and feeling vibrant, I lost weight, right? Meanwhile, nothing's actually changed. So today I have the resources to know what's true and what's not. It doesn't always feel good, but I at least know like, okay, this will pass because nothing changed from yesterday when I felt Mm. good. Um, You know, I also had to go to body image group therapy, right? That was really helpful in helping unlayer what I just talked about, right? Like yeah. what's unpack truth and, and why, and yeah. um, start to implement behaviors that are helpful into living better. So like not changing a thousand times, unless like I literally don't match and would embarrass myself. Otherwise, get your ass out the door because I start changing my clothes and I start to get paralyzed and unable to leave the house. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's hot out, you're allowed to wear shorts and 
no one cares about your cell cellulite that I've had my entire life as much as I do, right? Yeah. Because most of us have it, right? Mm -hmm. And so the more I practice wearing shorts and just being comfortable, the more I can be comfortable wearing shorts. But when I hide and I only wear pants, it's really hard to wear something different. Same thing with yeah. the bathing suit, right? There's so many different styles of bathing suits now, but like if I don't just practice going to the beach or the pool or whatever, because it's hot out and someone invited me, then I won't be able to do those things. And so again, learning how to just do it anyway, mm -hmm. and then you just get more comfortable. And then I guess too, like age is on my side, right? I'm 35. I don't care as much as I used to just because <laughs> I don't. And it's kind of like, well, if it's not gone yet, probably not leaving, right? Yeah. So like, here we are. Let's that, move on. I love that. I agree with, yeah, a hundred percent. Cause I feel like I like, I like how you mentioned the part of, you know, when you're not comfortable, but doing it anyway, stepping out of that comfort zone and doing it anyway. And also the, the part that you mentioned about the stigma attached with body image and with, ha and with feeling that shame and yeah. internally, and kind of that brings it back to the point that when, when I talked to you before we had that awesome phone call where we were talking and you mentioned to me that, you know, like the like eating disorders isn't, and just from my experience, it's not something that I've seen talked about as much as other things, right? So you have, there's other things related to, you know, mental health, mental illness, addiction, recovery, different topics like that, 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 that I see, um, more conversations being had in, you know, online, on social media, different things like that. But I don't see as much about these kind of, a, this kind of a topic. And I feel like it's, like, this is why I wanted you to come on and really talk about this. Cause I feel like it's so, uh, it, it's, it hits everybody in, in some kind of a sense, you know, cause everyone yeah. has days, right. We're, we're, we don't feel a hundred percent like gorgeous, amazing, perfect right. human beings. And right. we have days where we like, we struggle, we're not happy. We don't like what we see and having that shame associated with the way we look, carrying that, you know, struggle with that. And also kind of having that going through that hard time with our image of our own bodies. And, you know, that's why I really wanted to, to kind of hear more about, you know, the experience that you had. Cause I know in your book, um, the addict denial seven, um, if you could pinpoint the biggest lesson that mm. you've learned about publishing your personal story and experience experience with your eating disorder, what would that be? Gosh. Um, I mean, the, the first thing is you're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not alone. Whomever's reading is not alone. Um, I really, and it's not the end, right? Like we're not alone and we can get help and you can thrive, right? Mm -hmm. Because I shied away from eating disorder recovery because I thought that I would be confined to this box. The box could be, I'd have to accept being fat right? I couldn't train the way that I love to train because exercise can certainly be used as a tool to reduce size, change the way I look, which I still do. And I, we can talk about that too. And I think it's okay, but you know, like some women or men have to let go of exercise initially to heal, right? Because mm -hmm. they only use it as a, a way to punish, remove food, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. To numb out. And so like, I really thought recovery so the takeaway is you're not alone, but also recovery is nothing like your brain tells you it is, right? Your brain wants you to stay with it right now, right? What I refer to as my disease. My disease is my lower power, that default thinking that I'm not enough, 
my addiction, right? So it's just easier for me to refer to it as something tangible that's not me so that mm-hmm. I can give myself some grace and be like, okay, Allison wants right for herself, but my disease wants to fucking kill me, right? Yeah. Which is my truth and true for me. And so like recovery looks nothing like what my disease says it would. Mm. That's all. yes. Yeah. Because I'm, I like, and I like how you talked about that, the part of not feeling alone. Cause I feel like when, you know, when you're struggling with something and nobody knows about it, you don't talk about it. Nobody has an idea. You do feel like you're alone because you, you are in a sense, because you know, you have whatever it is that you're, you're carrying, whether it's, it's associated with shame, guilt, regret, whatever it is that's holding you back from taking that first step, like you've done to, to doing these groups, to talking about it, to having these conversations, to hopping on these podcasts and talking about these topics, things like that. Um, the, that's a huge thing because even though you, you know, we kind of hear this all the time, you know, you're not alone. We, you know, it's always the message you're not alone, but I think it's, it's so true and it resonates with so many things, especially something like this. When, when you're talking about something so personal as someone's body, you know, like that's, yeah. that's a, you know, it's the way you look, the way that you think you look, the way that you perceive yourself and the way that you're perceiving other people seeing you and yeah. how that's affecting your you know, day-to-day life, your relationships, your, your job, whatever that, whatever that is doing to you. And I think that's a huge thing to pinpoint, you know, the fact that that's, that's the message that you're getting across is letting people know that. And when you're, and because that's, that's huge, like people, people need to need to have that and really, you know, have that understanding of that. So, I mean, I love that. So, I mean, if you could, you know, just in, in your own, in your own words, what does it mean to recover from an eating disorder and what does that look like? What does that look like for you? Yeah, another great question, Paris. And I told you that, like, you got it, right? <laughs> like you sent me the outline and I was like, thank God, right? Someone heard what I'm trying to relay in a way that is relatable and simple. Um, and so to what I like to refer to it as being sober from food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And for me, it's learning how to live in the gray and be a friend of myself and my body, right? So Mm -hmm. my eating disorder and and my my default would be bulimia. I've had periods of anorexia. I'm certainly a compulsive eater. And I think whatever you are with food, I mean, you can be anything and you can be nothing all at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it was, you know, really growing up with this, idea that food was good or bad. And if I ate said food, I was good or bad and tying my worth back to those foods. And while there is certainly no argument that some foods are better for you than others, they're going to yield a better nourishing result. They are more vibrant with energy. Um, But at the end of the day, there is also a space for joy and comfort with food. And when your messaging has been good, bad, black, white, like that's a really delicate relationship to try and untangle. Mm -hmm. And um, especially when it's imprinted on you as a, you know, prepubescent girl. Mm -hmm. And so for me now at 35, it's very much like having a more neutral relationship while also having a healthy respect for what foods do and don't work for me. Mm -hmm. And those foods change, right? Like I still to this day do not eat dessert. Um, I have yet to find a balance with one cookie because I don't want one fucking cookie. I want all the cookies. I want to get back there. I want to eat the raw cookie dough. I want the whole bakery. Like just let me in 
I'll give you what a some lump sum of money and I'll just help myself. Right. And like, yeah. it's funny, but it's also the truth. Like mm-hmm. I have a, a different reaction to certain foods. Like I, once I start eating them, whether it's a, a physiological response or a psychological response, but I just cannot stop eating them. And then who would feel good about that? Right. Mm-hmm. And that just kickstarts this whole chain of events where I eat past capacity and then I purge and then I starve and then I just keep going. And mm-hmm. so I have just found that my life is way better without dessert in it. Um, I was sugar free for a long time. Now I find that I really am okay with like honey jam and I don't need it all the time. And I find that I don't want it all the time, but I have it in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, very aware of when I'm overtired, I'm more likely to want to eat more. And so a big Mm -hmm. part of my recovery is having a food plan, which helps me live in between meals, right? Some people can't have like a regimented, this is what you need for me. It's just really helpful because then I can't second guess what I need if I ate too much, if I ate too little. And it helps me start to recognize, is this an emotion or hunger? Mm -hmm. Is this thirst? Am I tired? Right? Because after work, I'd always want to eat because I don't drink, right? I've been sober for almost 17 years. So I don't have like your happy hour to then go decompress from work, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I've already trained because I prefer the mornings. I have more energy and it fits better in my schedule. So like, I don't have a thing to go do after work to like come down. And my yeah. natural tendency is to do something unhealthy, right? So like enter food and enter large quantities of food that have nothing to do with my needs at that point or mm-hmm. hunger. So like having a food plan from a nutritionist designed for me and my energetic requirements and my athletic goals just helps me like cut the bullshit in between. Like I've eaten enough. It's all good. I'm, I've yet to starve, right? Mm-hmm. I've yet to die and <laughs> it just works for me. And, you know, in the beginning of my recovery, I had to have way more flexible food plans where like I had generic measurements of food. Now I'm, I'm really detailed, right? I follow a very detailed macro-based plan that changes all the time. And I, for today, that's where I'm at, right? When I wrote my book, I was not in that space and I still wasn't eating, eating things that I eat now. Like I can eat pizza now. I can eat fries now. I can eat like jelly, right? And when I wrote my book, I, I was like, no flour, no gluten, no sugar. And that's what I had to do to get started. Mm -hmm. And then I slowly had to start learning that I could trust myself and that it was okay. And um, eat enough to support me so that I wasn't constantly thinking Mm -hmm. about food. Right. Um, Yeah. It's evolved a lot. And, and, you know, recovery from food too. Like I also have learned that I reserve the right to want to change how I look if I want to and I'm unhappy, but I also have to be in a very safe place to do that and a supported mm-hmm. place. So like I came into recovery thinking I needed to change how I looked. And so I needed a couple years of just accepting where I am right now, even if it's not my my best, whatever that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And learning how to respect my body because this is the vehicle that allows me to experience life. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the vehicle that trudges up mountains and carries heavy shits and wins ultra obstacle course races, which I have. <laughs> right. And like that body has to be fed and that body doesn't look like the Nike girl sponsored on the front of the magazine. And I have to accept and, and respect that, too. And so, mm-hmm. you know, learning just the boundaries um, and also knowing like this is my journey. And I think that's why food recovery is so hard. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. What I do would not work for the person next to me. 
Um, I work with other women and, and help them through their journeys. And, you know, everybody's looks really different, you know? Um, So I think it's just having a healthy respect for like, there's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. um, But like the foundation is the same. I can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I've got to have a community of support, which is my 12-step recovery, and I've got to have professionals in my life to help hold me accountable. And, you know, within that, there's a lot of flexibility, but those are things that are staples that I found I really just need. Yeah, yeah. And I love how you mentioned um, in the beginning kind of breaking that association with if you eat this, that's good or bad, and then you're good yeah. or bad as a result of that. Because like you mentioned, you know, especially when you develop that from such an early age, and you're trying to change, to break that cycle, to come out of that pattern of thinking, the way that you're behaving, all of that kind of stuff is very difficult and is not an easy thing to do, is not something that would, you know, would typically happen over, you know, a week's time. I didn't, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and, you know, be like this, the way that I want to be. But I love that you bring that up because it's so true in, you know, something like this, when you're struggling with something like this, changing that pattern and doing that in a way that serves you and and actually opens up a life that you, you enjoy and you love and you are happy and you do feel like you're in a good place and you've arrived at a place where you like being and you, and I also like how you mentioned kind of the aspect of recovering from, from food, because when we talked before you brought up a really good point that, that's something that I've never, I've never really looked at it this way, even though w- when I say it, it's going to, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, like I know what you're talking about, but the fact that you can't, we can't live without food. And if you're struggling with food, your, your, your issue that you're dealing with is related or tied to food, that makes it very challenging because there's things yeah. in our lives that we can, we can go without, we don't need, we can yeah. live without this. We don't need that, yeah. but you know, we're going to die if we don't eat. So that's, that's going to happen. So, you know, especially with something like this, that, you know, not everybody is comfortable talking about this or bringing this up, but I'm, that's why I'm so glad to have you here because you are, and you are, you know, having this conversation and talking about your experiences and kind of the things that you've done to get to the path that you are on now and to feel good, feel happy, feel joy and not the way that you were. And it's, it's a, it's a topic that, you know, we, we, we need, and I'm glad that you, you know, you came to me and we made this happen and we're doing this and talking about this. And another question that I I really want to ask you is, um, you know, why do you think the, the topic of eating disorders does not seem to be as commonly discussed as other topics, like we mentioned before, concerning addiction, or mental illness. Yeah, and that's I, I I'm going to answer that and also add more to my previous answer yeah. um, because you know a big part of my recovery is like there are certain behaviors I will cannot engage in right mm-hmm. like that are going to really either derail me today and they're just kind of like non-negotiable boundaries right mm-hmm. just like you said food is a non-negotiable part of life I have to eat whereas with drugs and alcohol. I don't drink and I don't do drugs. Like that's a very clear defined sobriety path, but Mm -hmm. like food sobriety, what the hell does that mean? So, you know, core behaviors are like, I won't binge or purge no matter what. I won't skip breakfast no matter what. I won't train differently no matter what, right? I won't eat differently than I'm supposed to based on how I feel. Mm -hmm. And like setting boundaries in motion that, you know, because 
now leading into your next question, like the world has thrived off of those behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, just treat yourself. It's Thanksgiving or, oh, just Mm -hmm. fast until the next day because you ate too much on Christmas. Oh, just cleanse and juice and diet. And I've done all that shit, right? And I Mm -hmm. think it's kind of like, I've done that too. And I can say at the end of the day, none of that is helpful to, mm-hmm. to have a healing relationship with food. Like our world thrives off of gym memberships and waist thinners and trimmers, like yeah. babies that doesn't actually work. And I did that too, right? Like I wore a freaking belt for a long time and was like choking myself out every day. So uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, um didn't change my hip size because I have bones in there that are staying the same. Right. But like (laughs) our world is, is so warped and molded to conform to the idea that we should change our bodies. And again, like we have the right to do that, but like, what's my intention behind wanting to do Mm. that? Right. Like that's where I go now is why do I want to change the way I will look? Is it genuine? Like, I really just want to see some abs and like some round shoulders. Fine. But do I think my life is going to be different and that I'm going to be happier or that my job's going to be richer or I'm going to be a better girlfriend or a sister or a friend or a daughter? The answer is no, because Mm -hmm. the more I focus on body, the less available I am to those people. So Mm -hmm. it all goes back to my intention but I just think because our world is so focused on the outside and not addressing causes and conditions of what's underneath that it's just like, I'm not telling you that I struggle. And when I go at home at night, I feel like a fraud or I can't stop mm-hmm. eating and puking my brains out. Like who mm-hmm. wants to men- who wants to admit that, right? Mm-hmm. Or like the reason I look so good is because I'm snorting Coke in the bathroom, right? I recently yeah. heard a podcast of like, a former, I guess she's still a, a fitness star, like in the aerobics world. Mm-hmm. And the reason she looked so iconic for so long is because she did crystal bath, right? Wow. And she starved herself. And it's like, you think the public wants to hear that's the truth? No, mm-hmm. like we want the public to think that they're failing over and over again at being human because mm-hmm. we can't all look like that. And it's not, we're not supposed to either, right? Like I did steroids when I was bodybuilding because I don't look like that naturally, Mm. no matter what I do. And I just think, um, you know, again, because food is delicate, it's Mm -hmm. personal, right? Um, There's a lot of like heritage in food and comfort and joy and entertainment. And then, you know, for somebody like me, I've taken drugs and alcohol out of the equation. Like, what am I supposed to use as a Mm. buffer between you and I, right? Like, how am I supposed to date? How am I supposed to go to a family meal? How am I supposed to do holidays when like, I can't eat like you. I just Mm -hmm. can't. Um, I can't turn the faucet off once I've turned it on. And so I just think it's like, because it's in life, it's just a harder thing to like talk about. And most of the time we want to talk about it while we're eating, right? Like Mm -hmm. when do most diet conversations happen during a meal? Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, (laughs) how impractical is this? Like, let's talk about this while we're walking and we've removed the substance at hand, you know? Yeah. That's our default. So I don't know. I I just think like, it's just hard to be a human without stuff, you know? Yeah. So like our biggest thing is our body, you Mm -hmm. know, because we can dress it up or dress it down. And, um, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, what's your intention behind it? Yeah. Because I feel like that is the biggest 
thing is the intention behind what you're doing. And I, I also like how you mentioned the part about the stories is that when someone like the, the aerobics woman you mentioned who, you know, was doing meth or whatever she was doing in the bathroom and that's how she looked the way she looked and admitting that. And I feel like, you know, for me personally, I like hearing stories like that. I like hearing, cause I feel like it's, it's something that is more rare, I think, because it's so, it's so common, like you said, to see you know, okay, well, you're, you're in shape, you're doing this, you're exercising, you look great. And then there's not really an, an issue behind the right. scenes. There's nothing really going right. on that is concerning. And if there is, we don't want to talk about it. And I feel like right. it's, it's so common to have that, to feel that, to not want to. Cause like you said, who wants to come out and be like, yeah, you know, like I, I look this way, but you know, if you only knew I'm throwing up in the bathroom for hours and restricting right. food and crying and struggling and, and, and then, then what would people think? Like, oh, right. uh, and you know, right. sometimes people don't know how to respond to that or how to take right. that or what to say or how to process that. So, but I feel like it's important because that is the reality. You know, that's really what's going on instead of, you know, continuing to, try to mask that or push through that or do whatever it is that we do to try to somehow keep going, keep doing whatever we do, we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, th those moments and those stories of whatever you're dealing with, struggling with in that moment, I feel like is, is huge because it's, you don't know, you know, who may be dealing with that. You never know. You don't know. And I feel like that's why I think this conversation is so important and so powerful because it's on a topic, you know, body image and eating, eating disorders, along with your story tied to that. And a lot of people can relate to that and understand that and feel that and say, you know, I've, I've struggled with this, or I have experienced this, or I have a friend, a mom, a sister, a brother, somebody, whoever, who's dealt with this or is dealing with this. Maybe someone listening to this is dealing with the things that you mentioned, and it may not be the exact same kind of experience, but there might be similarities there that sure. they can take away things that you've said and, you know, use that in, in some kind of a way to, to help in some kind of a way. So, you and know, I do too, also like you can look good and not have a fucked up relationship with food. Like yes. I do want to put a plug for mm -hmm. that as well. Like you can look great and be really normal mm -hmm. and you can just work really hard and you can also be genetically gifted, right? Like there's also that, you know, I have friends that they don't relate to my eating disorder, mm -hmm. right? They relate to wanting to look a certain way, but like they look pretty kick-ass and they do just normal things, but they eat well and they train hard. And like, that's where I am now. Like I, I can say honestly that I look really good, right? Mm -hmm. I don't look like her, but I look like me. Yeah. But I also eat like really regimented and really clean. And like, I train my butt off, you know? So like it's purposeful, intentional work. Yeah. Um, so I do also want to like, <laughs> you don't, again, the idea that like getting sober from food means you're fat or you're inactive, mm -hmm. but it's just like, the idea of this perfectionistic pursuit to what, right? Mm -hmm. Which again, goes back to the intention, you know, like if I'm trying to, to just feel the best I can, great, have at it. If that's your sport of choice, have at it. But, you know, the perfectionistic ideas and just trying to fit into this box, um, mm. I think is just what we're, we're not open about. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I, a hundred percent. And, you know, I also like something else that, you mentioned to me before. So it come, it's on the back of your book. There's this quote 
and I want you to speak about it. So this is what it says. So it says, you may not have an eating disorder. You may not think you know someone with an eating disorder, but you certainly know people trying to be better. What does that, what does that quote mean to you? Yeah, I think, you know, like addiction aside, eating disorder aside, I think at the end of the day, when we go to bed at night with ourselves, Mm -hmm. we want to have been our best. Mm -hmm. And that could mean you want to be a peer among peers, right? You want to be of service to your family. You want to be available as a friend. Um, And so the, the more we stay closed and withdrawn and don't talk to one another, the less able we're going to be that version of ourselves. Mm. You know, um, I really, I, I kind of grew up in, in a recovery environment where like it was us against them, them mm. being the normies, right? And like, I just, the longer I'm doing this and the more I share openly, the more I just connect as a human to human. And mm. I think we all have struggles with emotions. We all struggle with vulnerability, right? Which essentially binds us together. Like I see you, you see me. And so the more we just can talk about our stuff, we Mm -hmm. all uncover the fact that we all have stuff. Even Mm -hmm. if the stuff is like, I think I'm a piece of shit. Oh, you do too? (laughs) That's funny, right? Like join the club, right? So like you may not have had any parental issues or family weirdness or child upbringing where there was trauma or have, you know, an eating affliction or drug or alcohol addiction. But like, you certainly have days where you're like, did I miss the handbook that everybody else got on life? Because I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's what I meant, you know, like just being a better human, you Mm -hmm. know, like being nicer to the cashier, you know, being quieter in traffic, holding the door, wearing your mask right mm-hmm. now, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and just just trying to show up for somebody else. Wow, I love I love that quote. I remember re- reading reading that. I'm like, I need to ask her about this because I want to see what she says about this and how you put that together. Because I love that. It's so true. Just when you when you boil it down to whatever it is, whether you, whether you have struggled, whether you have not with whatever it is, that is the topic of discussion at the end of the day, you know, we all just want to be better in some kind of way, in some kind of way, you know, whether for, whether that is for ourselves, we want to be better for ourselves, whether we want to be better for our family, our friends or whatever it is, we just want, want that. And I feel like what you said is, you know, wanting that and realizing that and, being able to connect in some kind of a way, whether that is through our vulnerabilities, whether that is through another kind of thing, I, it's, it is, that's what, that's what it is. So, so yeah, I love, I love that quote. So, I mean, and I just wanted to thank you too. I mean, for, for making the time to come on and get into this topic, discuss this and break down a little bit of your story for us on body image and eating disorders and what that, what that experience is and what it looked like for you and what, and, and all of that because it's valuable and it's, it's a topic that I've never talked about. And I'm glad that you are virtually here and <laughs> we made this happen. So thank you. <laughs> yes, of course. And I'm excited to put this episode out. And I just want to say again, thank you for coming on Allison and thank you guys for listening so much. And I hope everybody has a great rest of your day and I cannot wait for you to finish this episode and you finished it since I'm about to end it. So, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Well, thank you, Allison. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.